Welcome to Equestrian Movement's First Do No Harm podcast. I'm your host, Katie Boniface, co-founder of Equestrian Movement with Sarah Gallagher. We work with horse riders who want to build a stronger bond and a deeper connection with their horses. In our First Do No Harm podcast, we discuss with other industry professionals how to work with horses to firstly do no harm and secondly support their mental, emotional and physical well-being throughout the training process so that we have horses that enjoy learning and ask to be ridden. Each episode, we discuss the different influences our training can have and how we can improve our horses' overall athleticism, soundness of mind and body, and emotional fortitude, while strengthening and deepening our relationship with our horses. Each week, I will endeavor to bring to you a new episode on horse riding, training, handling and husbandry for an interview with other industry professionals to help you address where and why you might get stuck in creating the beautiful union of dancing souls that is the equestrian sport. Are you ready to kick off today's show? Let's get started. Hey team, Katie here from Equestrian Movement and today we are back into business. We are back on the podcast. We're happy to be with you again. We are feeling refreshed and reinvigorated after a pretty hectic term one (laughs) at the school. Uh, We have had natural disasters which have resulted in uh, physical ailments which we're going to get stuck into over the next podcast. Uh, but what we're going to be kicking off this season of podcast series with is uh, are you in a power battle with your horse? So does going down and working with your horse feel like a battle of the wheels? You're exhausted before you even head down just at the thought of what you're having to put yourself through Or are you heading down feeling, you know, excited and happy to spend time with your horse? Are you feeling uh, excitement and happiness for heading down to experience peace and connection with, with your horse? Or are you just feeling resentment and guilt at the idea of going down because your horse is just constantly battling and arguing with you and it is just a difficult time. So I think this is like a common and recurring thread in the industry and it is a very challenging one to overcome because it is a very personal experience. So it's a personal experience to you as the rider trainer handler and to the others around you, their interaction with other horses and whatnot is very personal to them but it's also very personal to each horse and what they have experienced within their lives you know a horse that has experienced severe neglect and trauma will just be happy to have a safe home and will basically sometimes just do anything for you once they know they are safe Whereas a horse that has known the safety and the comfort of a good home will, you know, show behaviors bigger than those other horses with the slightest challenge because it's, you know, the most discomfort they've known. It's the most physical activity they've known. It's the most muscle sore they've known or it's the, if they've like hurt themselves in a fence and they need to be treated, it's the worst, you know, physical injury that they've known. 
So these power battles, they play out as a way of experiencing life and are very dependent on the experience of the individual, but also the personality type of the individual as well. So that includes the horse's personality type and it also includes the handler's personality type, which is why we approach horse training and horse handling uh, from the approach of holistic horse handling. We give you the different skills and the different tools to open up that pathway of communication. But once you are having a two-way dialogue, it's very unique and it's very individual and independent of each unique personality. So the way that, say, I talk to my son is different to the way I talk to my partner, is different to the way I talk to my friends, is different to the way I talk to my students. Uh, we see the same play out with our horses. The way I talk to one horse is going to be different to the way that I talk to another horse. And it's being able to adapt into those different personality types and figure out how best to work with that unique and individual personality with the skills and the tool sets that you have is the important part. Not the idea of submission and control that they do what you say because you say, Because what that does is it misses, you know, the unique quirks and the unique individualities of the personality that, you know, when we allow those parts to come out and to shine through, that's where we really see a deep connection. And that's, I think, you know, the most enjoyable part of horse training is when we see our horse's personality shine and and blossom and they get to become more of who they are rather than become less of what we don't want. And so that's where it gets really tricky, right? Is like, you know, there's certain behaviors that we don't want in our horses because they are unsafe. So we don't want them to bite, kick, buck, rear bolt with us but that is also what it is to be a horse that's how horses interact with each other it's how horses play it's what horses do when they're scared it's what horses do when they're frustrated so telling them that they can't show these behaviors can very often tell them that they can't be themselves and this is where the power battle kind of can come up is if we're telling them that who they are is wrong or who they are is bad because of these behaviors which are natural to them then that's when we get you know these horses that shut down or internalize or start arguing a lot especially if what they're trying to communicate with these behaviors is that there is pain that is needing to be addressed and managed, uh, that there is a misunderstanding, they don't understand what's expected of them, they don't know how to behave correctly, they haven't been told what is right and so they're trying but they're not getting the right answers, you know, they're scared, they're overwhelmed. All of these things are going to result in who they are as a unique individual expressing themselves when they are scared. So, you know, quite often a tool of getting a horse to become responsive from like a natural horsemanship kind of idea is to like flick the lead rope at them or to flick the whip at them or to flick the flag at them. And so we're trying to spook them into responsivity, but then 
wonder why we're seeing big spooky behaviors like you're spooking a horse into being responsive to you and then upset that your horse is showing spooky behaviors like it just it doesn't make sense and so this is where the challenge is especially as a beginner intermediate or novice rider of um, being able to manage these kind of power battles that play out between horse and rider uh, without making the horse feel scared, without making the horse hurt, you know, without using threat of physical safety as a motivator. We're trying to use uh, positive ways of getting them to express themselves as a way of motivating them rather than trying to control their behavior through punishment and fear of, of physical safety. At the same time, trying not to get injured ourselves, trying not to be scared of our horses ourselves, trying not to put ourselves and our horse into dangerous situations whilst also trying to achieve these big audacious goals that we have with our horse. This is where the challenge is with horse training and horse riding. It's not in the queuing. The queuing is super easy. It's not in, um, you know, your goal achievements. Those goal achievements are actually pretty easy if you have the skills there. The skills are challenging to establish and do take time, but with time and dedication, the skills to manage most horses isn't kind of that hard. It's just what is difficult is relationships and relationships are difficult across the board. So, you know, the the way that a lot of traditional training methods work with horses is by um, taking the relationship out of the equation and not allowing the horse to be themselves and treating them as a tool, as a commodity. And so some horses cope in that environment mentally. Uh, and then you'll also find like a lot of good trainers innately develop a rapport and a relationship as well. So they still have that quality of connection, but don't but that is established over time and it hasn't been a focus. So we'll see that these horses can be super well behaved and still thrive in this environment where they're just, um, you know, treated as a, a work animal. But then we will also see, you know, the horses on the other end of the spectrum where they've been in this environment and they've completely shut down and uh, not interactive, non-responsive, completely ignorant to the rider. Or on the other end of the spectrum, they just are mentally or physically or emotionally fried with the the pressure, especially if we've seen them handled in a way where threat of physical safety is the primary motivator used. So I keep saying this concept of threat of physical safety. So let's just go into a little bit about what that looks like. Um, We use tools in the industry and they can be used as an extension of a word or they can be used as a tool for punishment. And in, you know, in the worst case scenario, it's going to be used as a tool for, for physical abuse. So there's, you know, situations where we are making the horse feel threatened, feeling that their physical safety is threatened. Um, this is 
done in situations like join up. So if we're going to put a horse in a yard that they can't escape and we're going to chase them to the point of submission, we're using the threat of physical safety with the inability to escape to allow to kind of get them to forfeit their power within the situation to us. Uh, it's probably the, the most common one that we see in, in natural horsemanship of like using join up as a tool for um, forcing submission through fear of physical safety. That's not to say that it can't be done well where we can get connection, um, but because there is no ability for the horse to escape short of jumping the round yard fence and even in situations when we have those really tall gates it's that's not even an option to the horse they the other option obviously is also to take us out uh when they are the only you know options that the horse is given then we are kind of pressuring them into a situation where they have to give submission So that is why we prefer to do our connection-based join-up at Liberty in the paddock where we're giving the horse the invitation to leave if they feel unsafe or overwhelmed or threatened or pressured or stressed and we're giving them the invitation to approach. So we're trying to build us as like the home base, the safe base that they return to. So we talk about this, um, this concept comes from the circle of security that is uh, like a <laughs> training done for children and toddlers. And so the idea is, is that um, allowing, you know, the small children to go out and explore their environment is very enriching for them and enrich- enriching for their personal development skills. But it's also very emotion, emotionally taxing and obviously it can sometimes come with the risk of them being injured or hurt or whatnot. So the idea is that you are the home base, you are the secure base, you are where they come back to for their emotions to be organised and then you're allowing them to go out and explore their environment and experience life I guess and then you need to be there for them when they come back to help them reorganize their emotions so they've gone out they've explored they're tired they're hungry they're overwhelmed they've you know had a surge of all of the hormones and neurotransmitters you get when you are learning how to explore your environment and they're coming back to you crying and upset and all a confuddled mess and so Your job as the parent is to organize their emotions, so maybe feed them, give them a sleep, settle them down, whatever they need, so that you can send them back out on the journey again. And so as the parent, you uh, have to be very comfortable with allowing them out to explore and with receiving them back in when they're an emotional mess um, to reorganize their emotions to send them back out again. But for a lot of people, the idea is that you uh, either struggle on setting them out in the first place to explore, and so the children can become um, dysfunctional in how they go out and interact with their environment, 
or you can be uncomfortable with reorganizing the emotions when they're trying to come back and, and figure out how to settle again. And so then they can be dysfunctional on like that return to the home base and, and how they are supposed to reorganize their emotions. So for me, when I was going through this, my, um, my big difficulty was on the return, like when Finn was coming back to me and he'd gone out and he's explored his environment and he's coming back to me to, to reorganize his emotions. That was the part that I struggled with. And I had to do a lot of work on myself with to not get frustrated myself and to be able to kind of like settle him and figure out what he needed, especially, you know, when children and babies are nonverbal and whatnot. Uh, and so I was very comfortable with allowing him to go out and adventure and experience his environment. I get a lot of enjoyment out of seeing him learn and, and interact with his environment. And I don't get quite so much enjoyment from receiving <laughs> the emotional mess when he's exhausted from that. So it's, um, you know, everybody kind of has their place there where they're either uncomfortable with letting you know, the child go out and explore their environment because they're worried about them for their safety and whatnot, or they have a problem with like receiving the emotionally distressed child that needs reorganizing. And so this is like a similar experience that we, we have with our horses when we're trying to go out and do things with them. So we need to become our horse's home base and hopefully also where they live is their home base. And this is what we talk about, feeling safe, secure and connected within their environment themselves, their herd and us. So we want like their home to feel that they are safe, secure and connected there and with us that they are safe, secure and connected there so that we have the emotional organization and resilience to go out to say like a comp or a new environment or a trail ride or something where they're, they're leaving their safe home base and they're going out and experiencing their environment. And then, um, you know, they're going to go out and they're going to experience their environment and they're going to be scared because there's new things and they're not, they don't know where they are and they're not with their herd. And there's all of these things that's going to, you know, stress them emotionally, which is part of like the experience. And then we need to be able to circle them back around to their home base and, and reorganize them emotionally. So um, bring them back to that safe, secure and connected place of home base. Now that additional problem that we have in that moment is that we are also with them in that circle. So we're going with them away from safety and experiencing their environment with them and then circling back to that safe environment, bringing them home. So you either need to be good at it yourself where you feel safe and can keep your horse's emotions organized through the challenges that you're putting yourself and your horse into or you need a horse that has already experienced this that can support you through your own um, stress of going out into that new environment, new experience and whatnot and coming, bringing you back home. And so this is like a lot of the, you know, dysfunction that we can see when people take their horses out 
for the first time or to um, training days and that kind of thing, if both the horse and the rider are green, then they're both stressed and in a heightened state close to threshold or over threshold. And so neither are supporting each other. And so it just all becomes a mess. And then you come home and everybody feels terrible about the day and dreads having to do it again. Or, you know, you have a horse that has done this a bunch of times and feels confident in itself and feels safe within itself to go out on these days and knows how to look after its human and comes home and everyone feels amazing. Or you have the person who understands what their skill sets are, what their limitations are and how well they can support their horse within this experience, guides the horse through the experience and brings them back and like we unpack it together and settle the the horse back in. So quite often what I'll have with my students that are going out and competing is like the first thing that you want to do is you don't want to put your horse into a new environment, a high pressure, high stress situation and um, you know, be judged by somebody that you don't know and your peers. The first thing that your horse needs to know from you is that it's coming home especially if it's been moved around a lot to different homes uh, through different herds. So if your horse doesn't have safe, secure and connected at home within its own environment and its own herd, you take it out for the first time and it gets scared because it doesn't even know if it's coming home in the first place. So the first thing that you need to make sure is that when your horse leaves, it knows it's coming home. And then from there, we want it to be able to relax and explore its environment. So that's our relaxation cues and our confidence through curiosity training skills. And then from there, if our horse is okay, then we might consider riding it and keeping it relaxed while it's riding and just having those different exposures where they're relaxed in different environments, under different pressures, with different experiences, and then maybe we would consider competing it. But that's not what most people do because most people have the idea of, you know, the goals that they want to achieve with their horses. And so they they go out and they do that straight away rather than thinking about how they can best set the horse up to succeed within the experience and sort of delaying those goals to create, you know, the experience for a horse where they can thrive within this environment so that we can have competitive pressure on them. So why does this relate to a power battle? A horse that can't control its emotions, can't control its behaviors. And if we aren't seeing our horse's behaviors as their nervous system communicating to us, communicating fear, pain, overwhelm, stress, misunderstanding, um, uncomfortable with what we're asking of them, then we're seeing these big behaviors as dangerous things that we need to be in control of, that we need to have control over. And so then that's how it becomes a power battle. We are trying to have control of the horse therefore we are trying to assert our power over the horse but the horse's behaviors are expressing that they are uncomfortable they feel unsafe they don't feel heard they're not being listened to 
and that they need support from us. And so then, you know, they, us trying to have more power and more control over them then aggravates and antagonizes those behaviors even further because they're trying to communicate that they don't feel safe, they feel threatened, they feel lack of safe, secure and connected, uh, they feel lack of trust, faith and confidence in us. And so what we're seeing as behavioral issues are actually our horse trying to communicate something to us but then we end up shifting into a power battle because we become fearful of those behaviors and feel like we need to be in control of our horse. And so then we also hear from industry professionals and other people that are with us, our peers and whatnot, is that our horse is being dangerous and we need to get control over them by being more forceful and forcing submission. And so then, you know, the people around us and the people in the industry are also kind of driving this idea of it needs to be a power battle. You need to have control over it. Otherwise you're creating a dangerous horse that is going to um, not have a good future. But we just have it so backwards, like when our horse is behaving like that, it's because they're not feeling safe, secure and connected and they're not having trust, faith and confidence in us. Because if they did, then their behaviours wouldn't be triggered and escalated and we wouldn't be in a power battle with them. So Safe, Secure, Connected is um, our first module of our holistic horse handling program where we are seeking connection and creating relationship with our horse to create that feeling of safe, secure and connected within them, within themselves, within their herd, within their environment and within us. And then the next thing that we're looking at is compassionate leadership. So how can we take the lead with our horses so they feel like they can follow us? They, they trust our judgment. They have faith in us. They have confidence in us. They know that we're not going to ask anything of them that's going to get them hurt. And what we're asking of them is in their best interest. And so this is such a critical point to make about our relationship with our horse because so often owners overface their horse and I do I've done this plenty of times myself where I'm like oh she'll be right just let's go do it and then it all goes super pear-shaped and I realize oh actually uh, I probably should have done a better setup for myself or for my horse so that we could have succeeded within that moment but sometimes you do end up just accidentally overfacing yourself or your horse because you kind of need to have that experience to see where your gaps are so that you know what to work on. Anyway, so we're looking at these compassionate leadership skills. The way that I explain this to my students is, um, you know, when I'm teaching kids, I will ask them, if a toddler came and asked you to do something, would you do what they ask? And then, you know, the answer is quite often, oh, well, that depends. So if a toddler comes and asks you to tie their shoelaces for them, you go, oh, I'll do that. But if a toddler comes and asks you to cross the road in front of a truck, you definitely wouldn't do that. So your judgment is based off of whether that toddler is capable of making good decisions for you. If you are a beginner rider, your horse will view you as a toddler. 
If you're putting your horse into situations where you can't control the environment and you can't control whether or not they are safe, then they are going to lose faith, trust and confidence in your ability to keep them safe. And so then they start making choices independent of you, without you. So this is again where we can get into a power battle with our horses is our horse has lost trust, faith and confidence in um, our ability to make good and safe decisions for them. So they start saying no to the things that we're asking of them. And so then, you know, we get taught by our peers and our trainers that we need to push them through it. We need to put more pressure on them. We need to force them into it. And so then we're going to, that's how we get ourselves into that power battle again, is that our horse doesn't trust the decisions that we are making for them. And so they're saying no to us because they don't trust us. And then we're forcing them into it. And then, you know, maybe they are feeling really uncomfortable, like they're already saying no because they're not comfortable with the choices we've made for them previously. And so then they're going to get more uncomfortable because we're forcing them into these decisions by, you know, increasing the pressure, pushing them harder, whatever it is that your instructor or your coach might be telling you to do to, uh, air quotes, push them through it. And so then we see even more of these little micro tears in their trust in us and in their confidence in us because we're not hearing the fact that they are telling us that they don't trust these choices and decisions that we're making for them in the first place. This is so, so important to understand is that it requires a lot of trust from our horse for us to put them into the situations that we put them into. And if we make these choices for our personal gain instead of our horse's benefit, then that's where we have the ruptures and the micro tears in the relationship and the connection because our horse can see that. They're not naive to it. And then that's how we end up with our horses that are disconnected and shut down or internalizing and then exploding or um, erring towards the aggressive kind of lashing out tendencies is because they are being unheard and so they stop talking to us. And so then finally on this topic, a lot of people are really uncomfortable with telling their horse what to do and and setting boundaries, you know, for fear of going the opposite end of the spectrum, like, you know, we can be pushing and pressuring them into things that they feel uncomfortable with and they don't trust us about and don't feel safe in. Or we can end up erring too far the other way where we don't want to put any pressure on our horse and we don't want to tell them what to do and we don't want to ask things of them. So there is a a balancing act. And again, that's why we do holistic horse training is because it's very unique and independent to the individual horse's experiences and um, personality type. But Clear is kind. Telling your horse what is expected of them and how they can be rewarded for their efforts is the kindest thing that we can do for them. Uh, And, you know, that in itself can go too far. You know, the other way is like if we're constantly punishing our horse because they're not doing what we're asked but they don't actually know what we're asking of them 
then we're going to have a scared horse that doesn't know how to please us. And then if we don't have clear expectations of them and clear boundaries set, then we're putting ourselves into dangerous situations and we're putting our horse into situations where they can't succeed. So this is why we, or why I harp on about values and beliefs and being very clear on those and it's probably you know when you go into horse riding you're not thinking about sitting down and journaling out your values and your beliefs and and how you want to work with your horse but that is the best way of figuring out the best way to interact with your horse and how to keep your actions in alignment with your values is by actually knowing what your values are and so for me I'm not going to use tools that are going to threaten the horse's physical safety or spook them into responding to that aid or the cue or the word. I'm not going to use tools that get our horse into uh, the self-protective part of their brain. So multiple reasons, like it doesn't sit well with me when I was being taught this kind of style of training was, um, you know, a while ago now but I felt so uncomfortable with this was who I had to be to be in this industry that I I nearly quit and so it goes against my beliefs and my values that these horses have to be treated this way to be good horses and so that means that I was able to look at what other methods are available to us and there are so many different methods that are available to us it's just that it's not often taught in our riding schools like for us in Australia it's not taught by our governing body equestrian Australia it's not you know our traditional training method a lot of these trainings come from current science and current research into behavioralism current science and research into trauma and um, trauma research and that kind of thing and into how the horse's brain functions and the neurotransmitters and the hormones and you know honestly there isn't a lot of research in it so there are people in the industry that are advocating for this is the way that we can do the work with the horses but it's just not mainstream so you have to like dig into you know what are people's values and beliefs and are they taking action in alignment with those and what does that look like because I can guarantee you that if they are preaching the values and the beliefs of having a horse that is treated well but then using tools that threaten physical safety on the horse that they haven't figured out how to take action in alignment with those beliefs and values because there are ways of doing it and creating safe horses it's just not mainstream and we still have to do a lot of work in the industry to get there so for me you know these values are and beliefs are important you know because I don't want to be the person that has to lay into the horse to get it to behave and do as it's told but also because it's not effective and it doesn't work you know we know that the fight flight and freeze part of the horse's brain is a different area of the brain to rational thinking 
So anytime you are going to use any tool that triggers your horse's survival mechanisms, the only behaviors that you are going to get are survival behaviors, which means your horse is no longer trying to look after you. They are now trying to protect themselves. Anytime we try to train our horse by using tools that mean they are trying to protect themselves means that they are no longer trying to protect us and if they think that we are the physical threat then they're willing to take those survival behaviors out on us. So while, you know, people can use the threat of physical safety as a quick fix to push through a certain behavior or experience so that they can move to the next step, it absolutely has no part in proper training of our horses where we can continue to progress because there's something in that experience that the horse needs to work through themselves. Before a horse is athletic and competitive and highly motivated towards performance, they need to learn how to learn, they need to learn how to communicate, and they need to learn how to enjoy the process. And this is the part in the industry that is most commonly missed because, you know, uh, the people in the industry are trying to get the horse up to these competitive goals so they can get the accolades uh, without having to put the time and the effort into the work because, you know, the, the money isn't in getting the horse to enjoy its work. It isn't in getting the horse to enjoy learning and understand the learning process. It's in turning out a horse that can be ridden and that can perform. And so whilst you would think that having a horse that can enjoy learning and that understands how to learn and communicate is part of that process, as we talked about in the beginning, if we can shut the horse down and not have it express its nature and its personality and just do its job, then we can skip that process but we can only skip it for so long before we start really seeing big behavioral issues um, like the horse is holding too much stress, too much tension. You know, a lot of these horses that are forced into submission will work at the expense of their body and so will break down young and early. And so we really want to have a horse that is engaged in communicating with us so that we can work from a connection and a relationship-based um, experience where they're telling us if they're okay, if they're comfortable, if they're in pain, like how can we support them to, to reach their athletic potential with us or um, rather than just shutting them down and saying basically shut up and put up and if you don't turn out to reach your athletic potential we can get another horse. So this is the power battle that I see most common in the industry is that, you know, we're shutting our horses down, not allowing them to communicate our needs and our wants. And then as a result, our horses are expressing it through behavioral issues. And now we have a horse with behavioral problems that we're trying to control. And so then we're trying to control their behavior through power over rather than through communication and supporting their individual and unique needs. And honestly, like it, it isn't 
easy always to navigate to be able to, you know, ride that line between keeping us and our horses safe, um, to allow them to express themselves and to uh, tell us what they need, but also to be safe horses, to be able to tell them what we want them to do, but also allow them to express our needs to us. Like it, it is a very fine and it is a very fickle balancing act but that is why we start these conversations in our foundations and our easiest exercises that we can do for our horse you know just having some rules boundaries and expectations at feed time having some rules boundaries and expectations when they're being led in the halter making sure that if we're going to tell them that they we don't like a certain behavior or we don't like what they're doing that we circle back around and reconnect. Please don't try to bite me, but I still love you. Please don't try to kick me, but I still love you. The same that you would do if you're working with a toddler and, you know, they're showing you an expression of their emotional state through their behavior, which isn't appropriate but you're still going to show them that connection afterwards that they're still loved, they're still cared for, they're still safe, they're still secure within their environment so that they can continue to grow and to continue to thrive and, um, you know, learn how to control the way that they are expressing their emotional state. And then also in the process, we're learning some skills like our um, self-regulation, our relaxation and our emotional agility that we can, you know, reshape a more positive experience out from that little, <laughs> I don't know, whatever they've gone through, that little bubble burst <laughs> that they can go into. So that's what we're going to be talking about over the next few podcasts in this Power Battle series is how do we kind of keep riding this line? Like where is your conversation with your horse becoming a conversation around conflict and battle of power and how can you reshape it and redirect it into a more connection um, based relationship based conversation where your horse's needs are heard and met where your horse feels safe secure and connected within its environment where your horse has trust, faith and confidence in you and where we can then work on the skills of emotional self-regulation, relaxation and emotional agility so that we can then work towards the skills of communication so that we can then work towards the skills of, you know, what do we need our horse to do for basic horse husbandry? What do we need to do to be able to take our horse out into different environments and be ridden? And then eventually we're going to get to that point of that um, athletic horse that we can take out and compete. So we would always love to hear from you if you have any um, feedback on these conversations, if you uh, uh, have any questions, if it's brought anything up for you, feel free to jump into our Stronger Bond community on Facebook, our free Facebook group, or email us. Let's keep this conversation going. Let's keep talking about how we can shift our training out of a power battle with our horse and into relationship and connection um, because 
like I can always <laughs> do with improving myself and how I show up in these situations uh, and you know I always learn so much from my students and my students horses and we can continue to grow this skill set together to create safe horses that enjoy work and know how to look after us until next time happy trails if you're loving what you're listening to on the podcast you might be starting to recognize that trying to control your horse through submission-based training is the worst way to ask your horse to look after you If you're working with or riding horses, you know how unpredictable and sometimes scary they can be. Unfortunately, most struggling horse riders make the mistake of thinking they can physically control their 400 plus kilo fur babies by moving their feet or spooking them into responding with flags and join up. Without giving your horse a reason to care about you and look after you, you will most likely end up with a horse that is disconnected at best, shut down or explosive at worst because they can't communicate their needs with you, especially if you are already scared, worried or nervous handling your horse. That's why we've created our new free online training experience, Building a Connection with Your Horse. This is how I've gone about creating safe horses for beginners, no matter the breed or previous handling experiences. If you want to learn the secret source behind developing safe horses that care about you and look after you without trauma triggering training methods, register for our new training today at www.equestriummovement.com forward slash connection and I will uncover the three big mistakes you might be making if you're trying to build a relationship with your horse and how you can start building your horse's trust and confidence in you as a leader worth following.